0: time for mac geek gab and listener todd brings us our quick tip of the week he says i do this at least once a month without thinking about it every month i get an exported file with the extension dot tab and i want to open this file in excel but when i drag the file over the excel icon in the doc the excel icon does not highlight it doesn't let me drag it in but if I drag it with the command key held down over Excel, the Finder forces Excel to open the file. And this holds true with other files and apps as well. You can force apps to open a file by command dragging that file onto them. The command key says, I command you to open it. More quick tips like this. Plus, your questions answered today on Geekab 1013 for Monday, December 11th. Twenty twenty three. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Mac Geekab, the show where you send in quick tips like that. You send in questions that we answer. You send in cool stuff found. We string it all together into an agenda that makes it such that we are each more than likely to learn at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include incogni.com slash MacGeekGab, where you can go and try out uh, Incogni's uh, privacy service with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and barebones.com with Edit, one of my favorite apps that's always running on my Macs. We'll talk more about each of those in a little bit. For now, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton.
1: Here in South Dakota, I am Adam Christensen. And here, well, let me back up for just a second and say, Dave, I'm sorry. I'm busy Friday morning when we record this. I can't do it. I'll be here Saturday morning because it's Saturday morning here in Osaka, Japan. Pilot Pete, good to see you guys.
0: So this is weird because you're yeah. we, we record on Fridays. We release on Mondays, so we're all living in the past, but you are living in a future version of the past compared to me and Adam, correct? Correct. Okay. Yep. Yep. This is, this is... uh, Time is not linear. (laughs) Time is, anybody who thinks time is linear, you sort that out for me. That's right. (laughs) Because you are listening to this at one moment in time, which is more than likely... A different moment in time than when we recorded it and even than when we released it, unless you're listening live on the stream at MacGeekab.com at live.matgeb.com. And you can find out when we are recording live by subscribing to the calendar at MacGeekab.com slash calendar. So how's that for an opening? I don't know. Beautiful. Sure. Uh I guess I think, it's time. Ta- I think I might have just learned something. I, I learned something, <laughs> but I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh brad has our next quick tip and he says uh with option right clicking a file or folder and selecting copy as path name uh which you can do like you option click or you right click you can choose copy as path name uh if the intent is to use this in the terminal or a script beware that if there are any spaces in the file they will be left, or in the file name or folder names leading to that file, they will be left in there and not escaped. If you want to escape them, you have to put a backslash before every space. Otherwise, terminal will break. This is true. So uh, what Brad's talking about, and I have another uh, solution here instead of escaping them too, but what Brad's talking about is when you choose this copy as path name uh, with the option key down, it copies not just the name of the file but all of the folders that lead up to it so it'd be slash volume slash macintosh hard drive or whatever you've named your drive slash if it's in your user folder users slash dave slash documents whatever it is or it might be in mobile documents wherever it might be it's going to copy that full path name that you would type in the terminal or paste in the terminal my advice if you are going to paste this into the terminal for some command you type whatever the command is uh You press, you know, space to get separation between the command and your file name. And then before you paste in the file name, put an open double quote character, paste it in and then put a closed double quote. If you wrap this in quotes, the spaces will be read just fine by the terminal. So that's Uh, my that's my
2: uh, mine is I'd use the drag and drop technique and it escapes it.
0: It's share that with people. (laughs) <laughs>
2: so if you just open up your terminal and you open up your finder, grab any file or folder from the finder and literally drag it into the terminal and it will put in the path.
0: With it properly escaped. Yep. Because it knows where it's putting it. Yep. Yep. Uh, I like this. I, I I, I probably knew that at some point, but it, regardless, I don't know. I didn't know it until you told us now. So this is
1: great. It's like those computer engineers think about that stuff sometimes.
0: That's probably because they have to use it sometimes. Well, yeah.
1: that, right? <laughs> I don't know. That is odd that the that the command doesn't
2: do it though. Uh, there, maybe there's an option key for that. I might have to explore that a little bit more.
0: Oh, like an option control or something puts it on the yeah 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 uh, yeah. Could be. I don't know. Yeah. What, what what is there a is there a magic little uh, little thing? If I very likely,
2: I'm copy. sure somebody will tell us. That we probably don't have to go looking for it.
0: No control. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't, know. I don't know. Somebody will tell us. Feedback at macgeekab dot com, please.
1: Yep. Hold on. What did you say? Feedback at macgeekab dot com.
0: Think so. I think that's what I said.
1: I think he said feedback at macgeekab dot com. Okay. I see how it's going to be.
0: You want to take us to Gary then, Pete? If that's how it's going to be. I,
1: I can do so. I can do so. Gary. Gary writes in. Uh, it's a little bit of a long, quick dip, but it's a good quick dip. So last week we were talking pre-show uh, about how to get the bitter coating off of the button cell batteries. But and I'll tell why here in a minute. That's important. I like to use a file. Dave likes to lick it off, but Gary has the better way to go here. <laughs> Gary writes in, "Hi guys, I have the early access to the shows and purchasing the premium through with purchasing premium through Apple Podcasts. So I'm listening to the." That there's a DAC in your dongle episode, and you guys were talking about AirTags. I just thought bought my first AirTag, and I thought I would share some tips on the subject of the bitter coating that Duracell and other battery makers are putting on the CR twenty thirty two batteries, and Pete Saney files them down. I read that there is a better way to do this: get some rubbing alcohol. And a wet paper towel and wet a paper towel with it. Once you do lightly rub the paper towel on the battery, it will take off the better coating and make the battery work better with the AirTag. They also sell batteries that specifically say compatible with AirTag. Oh. I will definitely look at the card uh, with fine mind, but um, but I don't know if you guys are making aware. Oh, I'm, I'm on to the second part of it now. Uh, yeah,
0: I was wondering where uh, you were going with this. Yeah.
1: Piece. <laughs> he says, I'll definitely look at the card. We were talking about it. A, a, Airtag. Oh, the Airtag card that we mentioned in the last episode. Yeah, it's basically a credit card format of an Airtag. So I'll definitely look at that. But I don't know if you guys are aware that Spigen, S P I G E N, makes an Airtag wallet, and the link's in our show notes. The wallet is a little on the thick side, and I know you guys prefer a thin wallet, but how it works is that there is a removable cover on the side of the wallet that has a round hole for placing the Airtag in. You pop off the wallet, uh, pop off the cover, and put the Airtag in and snap the cover back on. I bought one so far, and I like it. And I suggest share AirTags. Huh. Oh, and I may suggest share AirTags feature with my friends. So keep up the great work and keep the shows coming. So it, it's it's thin, but it's still AirTag thick. Is, is yeah,
0: thinning. but it like folds but. open to put your, like it is a wallet yes. that has a spot for an AirTag in it. That's okay. But that's that's pretty it. cool. Yeah. Huh.
1: yeah. So. I unfortunately am forced to carry a. I, I used to like the little clip wallet, and I'm forced to carry a full size wallet for some credentials yeah. that I carry with me. Got it. And I just didn't have room. It was already, you know, twice yeah. as thick as any normal wallet, and I just couldn't go any thicker. That's and pretty so that's interesting. Why I went to the credit card format, huh. but I like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Cool. Little uh, little tip with the cool stuff found. Uh, the only problem is that rubbing alcohol doesn't taste good, Pete. So it makes me not want to lick the the batteries anymore. How many licks does it take to clean an AirTag battery to make it work? I don't know. The world may never know. Let's don't lick the batteries, folks. Sorry. Ask Woodsy. Ask Woodsy. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. All right. Uh, While we're on the subject of Air Tags, Bob brought up an interesting idea that I think is a brilliant little quick tip. He says, when replacing the battery or setting up a new Air Tag, set the name to whatever you want to call it, followed by the month and the year of the current date. This will eliminate the stress of wondering when your Air Tag battery will fail when you need it most, because. You can't know anymore. You used to be able to see the actual charge level of an AirTag battery. Now you are only able to see it when it's in like Apple telling you, hey, emergency, replace it now mode, which obviously always happens the moment after you leave for an extended trip. Pete, I think you can probably confirm this for us. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And and of course, to an international location where you're not going to be near uh, any form of... Of store where you can buy. Well, they have no lickable batteries. Battery. Yeah. That's
0: right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I like that idea of putting that on there because they, they do tend to last about a year uh, unless you're making it make noise all the time, right? That I presume that would sort of tank a battery faster. But otherwise, faster, it's about sure. a year of being an air tag that the battery like, yeah, hey, you should replace me. So. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Nice. I like that. Thank you. Uh, I believe listener Todd has another quick tip for us. I'll find it as I'm vamping here. Todd says, you can permanently delete text messages on macOS Sonoma by going into the messages app. Go to view and choose recently deleted. Then select messages or shift click a range of messages. You can command click multiples and shift that you do all the things that you would normally do. And then control click the selection and select delete in the pop up. This will delete them immediately as opposed to, uh, you know, on whatever cycle it is that these things actually get deleted. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm not going to make any nice. speculation about the kinds of text messages that Todd needs to delete. <laughs> I'm definitely oh, not. Boy. I think.
2: I think this rolls over probably into some of the other areas where Apple when you delete it doesn't truly delete like I'm thinking that this is a similar thing with uh like photos like mm. when you delete a photo right it it sits there for 30 days if if you're using iCloud photo library Correct. Um yeah and I think you can do similar type things.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's the same
2: kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would it would clear it it's out. It's like the equivalent of emptying the trash or something,
0: I don't know. Um I <laughs> Uh, yeah, I there there's there's I I suppose this is simply a fish shake because I don't think any third party could solve this problem, but maybe someone has cleverly figured out a workaround for it of which I am not aware. But I my issue with messages is that I've been using messages since the first day it came out, probably like all the rest of us here, and I get pictures and videos and all of those things, and as might not come as a great surprise to anybody who's listened for more than a few weeks. I'm kind of a pack rat with my data. I I don't delete data. So I I have set all of my devices to never delete any messages and also sync them with the cloud so that they just magically appear on all of my devices. But I don't necessarily want all of the data from my messages on all of my devices all of the time. I it's in the cloud, that's fine pull down the recent 30 days. And if I want more, if I want to scroll back, go and slurp that down too. But Apple seems to, at least as far as I'm aware, still just push everything down to all of my devices that sync with messages in the cloud. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you found a workaround for this? Okay. No, I go
2: in and manually manage it. Yeah. uh, Something I would like to see happen. If, it would be great if they could do a VIP-like thing for messages because, you know, now you get all those, like, you know, confirmation codes and other kinds of marketing messages and stuff like that, right? And I'm constantly having to purge and delete that stuff because I don't want it, and it just clutters up everything. I would love it if I could say, okay, everything in this list, I want, you know, keep them for however long. Sure, yeah. have separate settings. Everything else, I read it. Kill it or kill it in seven days or it'd be really nice. If you could kind of separate, you know, or even if it was just one of those things they do with contacts. like if they're in my contacts, it's these rules. If they're not in my contacts, these rules, that'd be nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, well, yeah, I, yeah. I wish there was something I had a, I had an experience this week. My mind is like grinding (laughs) along as you're talking about this, where there was someone that I hadn't, communicated with since probably pre-pandemic well, maybe maybe mid-pandemic but it had been several years right and Uh i wanted to reach out to him and the best way that i had to get in touch with him was his phone number for iMessage he's an iphone user and uh i searched for his name in messages and it didn't come up i'm like that's weird okay well let me just look in contacts because i know i'd put him in my contacts nope Wasn't in my contacts. This has happened to me for a while. I was having an issue where the default contacts at the default contacts database that things would be added to was not my iCloud database over the years. It, if you have multiples, it will change it. And I guarantee you, I did not manually do this, but it would change to either my Google one or, or, For a short period of time, I was a professor at the University of New Hampshire and it would store it in that database. I'm pretty sure it must have stored Brad's data in this database, in the UNH database, because I went and looked at my Google Contacts database online and it wasn't there. And I'm like, crap. I remembered the things we were talking about the last time we texted and I was able to find his message that way. And there was his phone number. And of course I made a new contact record for him. But, um, you know, I like... I like having all of this data there. Obviously it's valuable to me. This is why I'm a pack rat with this stuff, but I like, I, I really would like to be able to manage and say, yeah, just don't fill up my phone with it. I, my kids' phones, yeah. my kids' phones absolutely are just like crammed full of mainly messages data.
2: So, yeah. Yeah. My, my daughter's that's, use well. <laughs> that's, that's where the majority of her, her iCloud storage goes.
0: Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. And I, I'm yeah. I'm kind of okay paying for it in iCloud because that's one place. I just don't need it on all of my devices all of the time. So, yeah, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. I don't know. Apple figured it out. I feel like they will figure this out. Like this is becoming – it started being a problem for us heavy users. Eventually, it's going to be a problem for everyone. <laughs> like you just yep. give it enough yeah. time. So Yeah. One last – qu- oh, yeah, go ahead,
1: Pete. Yep. I was going to say, I've got, a quick, uh, I've got a quick corollary to yes? a previous quick tip, which was uh, put the date of your battery on your AirTags. Yep. Rod L., in our Discord chat, says he puts the date that he put his AirPods in service oh. and when he names the AirPods. So he names the AirPods, and like mine, I call them AA, because so, I want it at the top of the list, sure. and Pete's AirPods – but if I had to put the date after that, then I will always know the date I put them in service and I'll know when the warranty is expiring.
0: Okay. So I, you, Rod L's tip is fantastic. I like that. Yeah, I also, yeah. do you think you just buried a quick tip there by putting AA?
1: You can't. Oh yeah. There you go. <laughs> Cause, <laughs> Cause I don't want to look down a list of 10 different Bluetooth devices. Totally. I want my AirPods by using most often, I wanted them at the top of the list. So I put AA in front of my name too.
0: Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, We had a conversation about naming devices, Bluetooth devices, uh, probably a year and a half ago on this show. And at the time, I incorrectly, it turns out, presumed that when you change the name of a Bluetooth device on your phone, like in the Bluetooth settings, that it it was only changing the name that that Mac address appears as on your phone. It right. turns out that's not true
1: right it, I've noticed that it, now that you mention it It yeah.
0: changes the name of the Bluetooth device in the Bluetooth device's profile on itself. and the reason I know this, Pete, is because I went to uh, i you and I both go to this same place where um we float in the flotation yeah. tanks, yeah they also have a sauna room there, which is really it's a nice thing. You go spend like thirty minutes in this sauna. And the sauna has a Bluetooth speaker and there are two locations. There's one in one town called Portsmouth, another one in Hampton. And I was getting confused which one to select in my phone so I could listen to a podcast while I was in the sauna. So one day in Hampton, I na- I renamed the Hampton <laughs> tank to, you know, IR sauna Hampton or something. I'm
1: sure they appreciated that. <laughs> I, I
0: bet they do. Oh, um, yeah. But I didn't realize that I had changed its name until I went with Lisa a few months later and she was like, Oh, we were going to listen to a, a podcast that was on her phone. I'm like, Oh, it's going to be called IR Sauna. Well, I'll help you figure out, you know, like it, you should only see one because you've never seen the other one. So your phone wouldn't get confused. And she's like, I see IR Sauna Hampton. I'm like, Oops. <laughs> 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 so, well, you actually
1: helped them out there. I, I, I think I did. Angry. Like,
0: I'm sure yeah. other people ran into the same problem that I did. So, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, yeah. Bluetooth naming conventions. I, I like this. Send yours in feedback at Mac Like th- there's clearly some, like, even like this just opened up a can of worms here. And I like, I like this yeah. particular can of worms because it, you know, it's these things mm, that help make our worms.
1: lives. Mm, <laughs> <worms>. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. One last quick tip from listener Ben, before we move on to answering your questions and Ben Shares it's simple and it's quick. He says, "You know, you can uh, you can select words by double clicking on them. You can select words on your Mac by dragging across them. If you need to select a paragraph, you can triple click a paragraph and it selects, or t- triple click a word and it will select the entire paragraph. Something I had no idea about. I love these quick tips." All right, look, data brokers are here to collect our personal information and sell it to other companies with just a few clicks of the mouse. Our sponsor, Incogni, wants to help you take back your data just as easily. They deal with data brokers on our behalf so that we don't have to spend hundreds of hours jumping through hoops, right? Every year, the number and scope of data breaches worldwide is rising. According to the 2021 annual data breach report by Identity Theft Resource Center, there were 68% more breaches in 2021 than the year before. The likelihood of each of us having our data breached is constantly increasing. And these data brokers aggregate our personal information, including our names and aliases, SSNs, logins, location history, all of it. Incogni reaches out to data brokers on your behalf, requests your personal data removal, and deals with any objections from their side. And since many data brokers collect your personal information again after some time, they also take care that your data stays off the market by conducting repeated ongoing removals. You just go to incogni.com slash And tell them, you know, whose data they're going to be removing, presumably yours. And then you give them permission to get to work for you. And they'll contact data brokers on your behalf to request your personal data removal. And then you just get to kick back and watch some work. And they'll handle any objections from data brokers and keep you updated on your progress. Incogni is available risk-free for 30 days for you at incogni.com slash MacGeekGab, meaning you can try it out for yourself and you get a full refund if you're not happy with the service. Again. That's incogni.com slash MacGeekGab. Go check it out. And our thanks to Incogni for sponsoring this episode. Next up is BBEdit, one of my favorite apps. It's running on my computer right now. And I use BBEdit for all kinds of things. One of the things I really like, they introduced a few years ago, is notebooks where you can store text notes in there. You can also now create multiple notebooks so that you can really organize things, kind of keep things clean as you go. They also support shortcuts, like create text document or create note so that as part of your shortcut flow, you can start creating these things. This is super handy. They've always embraced Apple tech like this. And, of course, they'll continue to do it. Go check it out. Go to barebones.com slash store. You get a 30-day fully functioning demo to try out every feature in the app. And if you've tried it out before BBEdit 14 came out, well, you get a fresh eval period for yourself here. You can continue running after your 30-day trial in free mode, which gives you some but not all features. Or, of course, you can go to barebones.com slash store, buy your copy, and you're good to go with all the features. Go check it out, barebones.com, and our thanks to Barebones and BB Edit for sponsoring this episode. All right, Adam, uh, you want to take us to Jerry? Got some questions, right?
1: Yeah,
2: let me... If I can get there, here we go. Jerry is asking about opening Zoom links. He says, good evening. I'm wondering if there's any way possible one of you could tell me step-by-step instructions on how to create a shortcut that will open bookmarks like I have saved to my home screen. These bookmarks are Zoom links, and I would like the Zoom links to open directly in the Zoom app and not in Safari first. I looked up on perplexity, but I am the i'm on, i'm unable to find the steps or i'm i am blind and find the steps a little difficult to follow so could you help me that would be greatly appreciated please tell me step by step instructions since i'm legally blind and cannot see the screen i use voice please thank you
0: well, let me see if we can do this via voice here and uh and and open that all up i i struggle with the same thing i don't like when I have to get the bonus screen in Safari to open a Zoom link because or or a, a Microsoft Edge link. And really, uh, like for Microsoft Teams meetings and Google Meet, I prefer to do those in Microsoft Edge because those engines work way better in Edge than they do in Safari. So for all of these kinds of meetings things, I want to make sure the link opens in the app, a.k.a. Zoom or browser, a.k.a. Edge of my choice and I use a little tool called Velja, V-E-L-J-A. It's from Sunday Sorehouse, and we'll put a link in the show notes to it. There are many of these things. We've discussed a few of them on the show over the last year here. What this does is it intercepts all links that will go to your browser. And if you have a special rule set to open a certain URL in an app or a different browser, it will open there. Otherwise it will just seamlessly pass it through to Safari and you'll never know that it was there in the background there. Like I said, there's other apps I wound up kind of standardizing on Velia and I forget that it's running right up until the moment that it's not running. And I start getting those bonus zoom screens, or I start getting Safari telling me that it's probably not the right place to join a Microsoft teams meeting or whatever. And then it's like, Oh, yep. Well, some, for some reason, Velia, got was quit like i gotta start it back up again so yeah do you do you use an an app like that adam anything
2: you know i had i think i had some sort of safari extension i had something at some point but i this doesn't come up too often but i can certainly now we use zoom all the time at the office and i can definitely relate to this issue like it it makes no sense to me that it has to do so many things and so many pop-ups and i could imagine you know, if you have, if you're legally blind, it's just going to be even worse experience, you know? Yeah. Like it's like, click the link here, pops up over here. I already have zoom open. Why aren't you just opening zoom? Like it's just, you know,
0: why aren't you doing the thing horrible. I want you to do? Yeah, Zoom, are you listening? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't. Even they have they to may be. be
2: bound by. They may be bound by the technology. You know just how it works because yeah. it's those like I forget what they call those links. I should know as a web developer. You know this special little.
0: Yeah, well, it's. I mean, links
2: that you can build.
0: Zoom links are opening like they're HTTPS links, right? So your your computer only knows. To open Mm -hmm. links based on the beginning of the URL, not the not the address of the URL, right? So when it sees HTTPS, it opens that in your default browser, whatever that might be. What Velia does, and I assume others of its ilk, is they become your default browser and insert themselves there, and that way they can sort of get in the way and say, "Ah, this is a link to Zoom.us. I know to open that in the Zoom app Mm. and skip Safari." Yeah, that's how these work. It's a clever so not, little yeah. hack. Yeah,
2: they're not yeah, using yeah. those little special domain links or whatever. Like no. I know that apps can identify themselves to the system as saying, like, if I'm, I don't know, yeah. Zoom colon slash slash, that means open Zoom.
0: Right, and and maybe Zoom even has that, but all the links we get to join Zoom meetings are HTTPS links, not Zoom colon slash right. slash links. Right. So yeah, that it's it's that. Um, that, uh, yes, that's the, that's the trick is the, um uh, so.
2: And by the way, before everybody emails me, I think I may be getting that wrong. I can't remember how that works. Like I said, I should know as a web developer <laughs> or as a developer, what yep. the, what those things
1: are. called. That's yep. your homework yep. right after the show. Yep. He's going to go <laughs> look it up. Don't yep. have to mail him there. Yep. And then, uh, uh, it, as Dave, you see, I put in the show notes, uh, free and <laughs> free in set app included with the subscription price of set app is open in which is the one I use to, to ask me which browser I, okay. I
0: would like to use. I, Excellent. Believe, I believe Velia is free, just at free for everybody, uh, yeah. if I'm not well, mistaken. But yeah, yeah, oh, yeah open in There's another. It, it, they all See, do the same it thing. It becomes
1: your default browser. That's
0: yeah. it. They all do the same thing and and hopefully stay out of your way to the point where you forget that they're even there, which is.
2: I, I have a bonus setup thing. So now, Pete, I'm going to go do that because that'll help me at my work. And the reason I will go use OpenIn at work is because I have a locked down, my IT department locks down my work machine and I do not have admin rights to that system. So normally I cannot install software, but the way that uh, SetApp works, it actually runs under your user. So I can install anything from SetApp on my work computer because it's under my user account, not.
0: Oh.
1: And they're in like the lies the very quick tip.
0: That's so, that. but could you, and I realized like this, having a lockdown machine is not a universal definition. Every company sort of does it differently, but could you download an app like Velia and put it in your user's applications folder like setup will like, would that work or? Potentially. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah, okay. I don't,
2: I haven't messed with it too much. I don't know how they have it totally yeah. set up, but it's pretty locked down. Yeah. It's right. pretty annoying. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah that is that's yeah for for <laughs> nerds <laughs> like us that's like no but setup solved that problem
2: for me so like i love it i have access to all my setup you know apps uh, and stuff like that
0: and it really helps me with uh with work that's interesting oh uh, i i i guarantee you there's people out there listening going like oh, i never thought of being it being able to do that like so yeah you just you just you just made a bunch of nerds lives better which is really come on that's what we're doing and and
2: now I, I think you have to get set up on there first. So my I think my IT department did install they setup for me. That. I had to prove that I had the licensing and yeah. Yeah, okay. And then once that was blessed, it was like all right. Open. But season. then that's
0: yeah, that's one app, right. Yeah. <laughs> and and I don't mean that you have to be a nerd to listen to this show by any stretch. However, if, if you, you listen, listen long, long enough, enough that's right, yeah, you'll become one. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, you've I, been warned. You've been warned. Yeah, yeah. This isn't a mandatory thing. It, it's, but it is a a natural byproduct. Yep, uh, and it's a good thing. That uh, you know, our, the goal is for, like I say, you know, it's Absolutely. for us. We we always say five new things. Well, you know, that adds up, man. Yep, week after week. Pete Chuck asks. He says, uh, I review my cellular data use at the end of each month so that I avoid going over my five gig cell cl- plan cap and I have avoided and also avoided roaming charges. Uh, Then I reset those stats for the next month. This month, I noticed a new listing among the many apps that I have on my iPhone running iOS 17.1.1. He probably is now on point two. I may have missed the uninstalled apps category in the past, but I don't think so. It seems new to me. And after I cleared my November cellular data usage, that category disappeared and has not come back it wasn't a significant amount of data usage relative to everything else but i wonder about what it refers to and why it would show up now
1: yeah well and he actually signed it chuck in japan so how apropos that i can say from osaka tonight konnichiwa chuck
0: (laughs) that's right yeah you are you are in the future yeah
1: yeah the uninstalled apps category refers to data that's actually used by apps that have since been uninstalled from your phone. So the feature in iOS designed to give you a complete picture of all your data usage, including the data consumed by apps that are no longer present on your phone. So when you uninstall an app from your iPhone, the iOS system keeps track of that data and all those apps used during the current billing cycle or, or data tracking period. And it's aggregated under uninstalled apps in that list there in the category in the cellular data usage settings. And since the uninstalled apps category represents data used by apps that are no longer on your device, there's no toggle toggle to turn it off, uh, to turn off cellular data for those apps because they're already gone.
0: You've and already turned so,
1: them off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah see, boy, have you turned them off? good. <laughs> so, um, So you may not have noticed this category before. It may not have shown up if there weren't any recently uninstalled apps that used any significant amount of data. And since you reset your cellular data statistics every month, say that three times fast, all accumulated data usage information is cleared, including the data recorded in the uninstalled apps. And that's why the category disappears if you reset your data usage and haven't since uninstalled an app that's used any data. So I didn't even realize this feature existed until, uh, very recently. And so,
0: yeah, yeah. Right. We all know. Yeah. That, that, it makes sense. It, um, I'm, I'm happy that when I, I remember when I first saw that and I was pleased that it kept track of that data, like it, it, it puts it in a bucket, but it doesn't just forget that that data was used during that period. I would like it if it remembered which app had used it and maybe just marked the app in parentheses to indicate that it was uninstalled. Or if you could tap on uninstalled apps and see the, the details, oh, but, be nice. but yeah. you don't get to see that. And my guess is someone at Apple decided that was a privacy violation, right? By oh, if you have yeah, deleted sure. the app, don't show it to me anywhere else on my phone. You promised that all the data related to it was deleted. And so, yeah, I, I might. That's yeah, fair guess.
1: enough. Yeah, I, I don't know.
0: Sense. I don't know. That's yeah. That's my guess on this stuff. So. Well, we got another question, Dave. Yes. Uh,
1: Mickey wrote in, and he said, Dave, Pete, and Adam, thanks as always for the great show and love having Adam along for the ride moving forward. And so do we, Dave, or uh, Mickey. Um, as a longtime podcaster and podcast listener, I've been listening to Adam's show for almost as long as MGG. Mackey Cabin. However, I fell off listening to most podcasts a few years back due to shortened Commute, and suffice it to say, I was so glad to hear his voice again this week as part of MGG. That said, I'm a little behind, and I imagine I'm not alone in being curious to hear a little bit more about Adam's background, what's been going on with him. Uh, He mentioned in the last episode that he's relocated from SoCal, Southern California, to South Dakota. Which came as a surprise to me. Can we get a proper Adam intro into a future show? That would be this show, uh present show, linear time and all, <laughs> and hear more about his background and what he's currently working on. Thanks, Chance, as always, for a great show, Mickey.
0: You want so, int- to Adam? You want to introduce you tell yourself, us when Adam? You were born. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, what I, do you want to know?
0: I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't. I apologize for not doing this in the last episode. It just it I I I made the. Incorrect we assumption that everybody stays in touch <laughs> and, and up to date. And yes, but we are happy to have Mr. Adam Christensen, creator of the Mac cast. Almost. Not, in fact, happy almost anniversary. Your show yep. was the 13th of December. December 13th. Of, yeah. Of 2004.
2: Right. 2004.
0: Yeah. yeah. So exactly six months before we started Mac E-Cab. I I believe you will always have the distinction of being the first Mac Specific, you know, Apple specific podcaster. So, yeah, that's
2: that's a debatable thing. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you why. So, this actually plays really well in the background. Yeah. So, I've I've been doing a a Mac Apple podcast for 19 years, or was, and now I've migrated over here, and very happy to be here. But yeah, that show, the the MacCast, I started um way back. You know, this was before even there wasn't even a way to. There was no directory. I think, I don't think we had a directory yet. Um, it was in, it was in development. I think that came a little bit later. And then, um, you know, you had like, people were down, get grabbing podcasts from feeds with like Apple scripts and stuff like that. Right. I and mean, there were very few, there weren't pod catchers as we knew them back then, or really iTunes support came years later, I think. I remember um, the timeline. No, I, iTunes later.
0: support came three weeks before Mac Geek Gab launched. Oh, wow. okay. Yeah, and I have a I I have a story about that. Where four point nine was that when it was? Saying? Oh man, that that that, that part. That <laughs> sounds right though. And somebody <laughs> has tracked right. that out there. But yeah, there was an interesting story about having to like talk to steve jobs to get him to add us to directory well well, but but i don't want to derail you yeah 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 yeah
2: Yeah. so uh now i lost track of where the question was so uh what's your name why are you here (laughs) (laughs) oh no 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 no. i know that question i was was trying to remember where i was going with this yeah so started that that show uh 19 years ago and
1: uh oh you were the first that's what it was
2: oh the first that's right yeah. yeah so debatable first because uh this was back in the real audio days. And there were two Apple shows that were streaming shows, and that was uh, Sean King's show. uh, Your Mac Life. Your Mac Life. He he really
0: was the OG podcaster, I think. But again.
2: Yeah. And well, here's why I say kind of debatable, because he was still streaming. And I believe at the time they were taking that really low quality. Eight bit compressed audio stream and then just grabbing that recording and then throwing it into an RSS feed. So Mm -hmm. technically, yes, I would say that's a quote unquote podcast, but it wasn't produced as a podcast. It was produced as a streaming radio show that was then converted into a podcast. So from a pure technical standpoint, yes. Um, And then there was also um, the show that Ken used to be on. And why is it, why am I blanking on the name of it? Scott Shepard. Scott Shepard show inside uh, mac radio inside
0: mac radio yes
2: yeah and that was another streaming show um nice. and i don't know that he had started actually turning that into a podcast before i started though i definitely Sean king uh was doing a quote unquote podcast but i always kind of felt like it wasn't wasn't intentionally a podcast it was byproduct
0: of no podcasts. and i remember when um when your mac life your mac life had been going for like years Forever, and yeah. years we were on
2: terrestrial radio i think even they were
0: and they were streaming via audible too i you could like subscribe to audible and get them so like it was it was experientially once you got signed up it was very similar to a podcast right but when podcasting started i remember sean saying we're not one of those new things we're an old thing and and i and and before anybody gets on me about this i did ex- brian and i did exactly the same thing with the mac observer we were a mac news website or a, an online magazine and when the term blog came out we were like we are not one of those new things we're this old thing <laughs> right it yeah. you know hindsight we I, like we all like even sean now and it didn't take sean very long to say wait a minute actually what i what i'm doing is a podcast like it, it this new de- new word does fit what i've always been doing and sean will tell you hey i'm I, you know in his mind not without merit he says he's the the you know the first mac podcaster so yeah fair yeah. fair yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so
2: okay. i mean it doesn't really matter at the end of the day no um but i was very early in the podcasting scene let's just say that like very much one of the one of the 1st Throw myself in that. Group.
1: For sure. The songs at least yeah. you're in the top three at a middle. Yeah. Which is, and so you know, considering there's that, only a few million podcasts out there. Yeah. Uh, but so I don't know what people want to, but
2: yeah, sorry, Pete. I don't know what pe- people want to know outside of that. I mean, I don't, I don't tend to share a lot of my personal stuff and some of that is by design for just privacy and stuff like that. But I'm um, happy to share like my career and, and, you know, I, when I started, I was living in, in, uh, California in San Diego. So uh, and then like has been mentioned we recently about a year and a half ago, almost 2 years, coming up on 2 years now, uh relocated to South Dakota. Um and that's just because of the nature of my job. So uh, in terms of career, I've always been a uh web developer, computer programmer. Uh I currently work for an e-commerce company, so I build e-commerce websites, um do some web development and, in That sort of thing on the side, done some work for Dave. I was going to say, yeah, Yeah, you, (laughs) you, you
0: you were the primary, uh, tech web person for us at Mac observer and backbeat. And even when we launched Mac geek as a separate site, I mean, that was, that goes back 15 years, I think. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we've
2: been working together for a long, long long time, time. So yeah. Yeah, that's, that's kind of my day job uh, now. So, you know, I'm here, I've got my little separate office here and I, you know, walk to work every day through the backyard and sit down and, and build websites. And then do, I was doing podcasts. And then more recently, you know, part of the genesis of, of the move here, um, you already mentioned I'm getting older looking towards retirement. I'm uh, looking to slow down a little bit. So just, uh, uh, cost of living and and those sorts of things. So lots of people ask, why'd you, why'd you move to South Dakota yeah. from California? Cause everybody has this vision that California is beautiful and absolutely is, uh, you know, but it's also very, very expensive. Yeah. Uh, you know, it is, it is hard, hard to afford for a lot of people to afford housing there and stuff like that. So, um, you know, the idea was, hey, I want to retire someday. I don't want to be in debt the rest of my life. Uh, and uh, So that's what brought us here. That was one of the genesis. The other was just getting to a smaller town where I could get more involved with my community. Um, you know, San Diego, as you might imagine, is a huge, huge place. And while you can get involved in maybe your little local community at a broader perspective, it's it's a little bit tricky. So um, like I mentioned, I, st- I moved here. Uh, I've always been interested in theater. So I started doing community theater. Um, I'm also, there's a makerspace here and I've started uh-huh. to get into uh, I, pinball and pinball machines. So I'm oh. restoring a pinball machine, a 1976 pinball machine. Uh, so, yeah.
0: Exciting. Oh, we, we, I want to see pictures of that. So, all right,
2: <laughs> cool. Thank you. for some pictures on on Pinside. side which is a pinball forum for uh, people okay. who are into pinball
0: pin side so. P I N S I D E. Is that right? Yep.
2: All yeah. Right. And I'm pretty sure I'm probably Matt cast on there. So you probably can okay. find <laughs> it pretty easily. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. I think that's what I went with there. Yeah. I'll have to double check that one.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. And you're Matt cast on most of the, mo- all of the, yeah, socials. yeah. You can find me on, yeah. on all
2: the social media places. Yeah. as Matt cast. And you know, the other thing we, we mentioned in the pre-show, um, you know, the reason I big reason I started doing this is I've always been involved in the Mac community uh, through user groups and stuff like that. I was on the board for both the Portland Mac User Group and also the San Diego Mac User Group back in the day. So,
1: cool, thank so, you um, for giving us. I've got that. a quick question to uh, to follow up. Then Adam, is MacCast done, or are you doing one last show on the anniversary? Or The plan is to have one more
2: show on the 13th and that will probably be the end of it. I'm not sure what that's going to be yet. I'm still like mulling that
1: in my mind. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Exciting. Bittersweet. I'm sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. End of an era, end of an era,
1: but moving into
2: a new era, era that I'm very, very excited about, obviously. So, Glad to be here with everybody. And yeah, that was a great question. Uh, I'm glad Joe asked
0: that. I'm so, it was Mickey, but, but yes, Joe is the next question oh, sorry, Mickey, and, and you can read Joe's question if you want, but yeah, thanks Mickey for, <laughs> yes. for asking the question that many people probably had.
2: Yeah. All right. So Joe wants to know what's consuming all his max disc space. I have this question a lot as well. Uh and he says, uh let me see here. I need to see what's up with taking up the space on my hard drive. I use Disk Inventory X, which is a great app. Uh I tried it this time and it runs, but it grinds to a halt and never gives me the the results. I'm I guess it's just too old of an app to work with Sonoma. Do you have any alternative suggestions?
0: Uh yeah. I um i i I like most of us need to do this often and so I have used many apps over the years Omni disc sweeper was sort of the go to for a while and it still works but I have really become enamored with the space lens feature inside of clean my mac x that it it's part of setup so that's a bonus yeah. and it really makes it. It like the 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 way it represents it visually on the screen. You see what categories or what folders you can kind of look at it either way. You can dig in. You can delete things from there. It will sort of give you some context uh, as to what you're deleting, and and the you can have it sort by what's the biggest stuff. So you you know it kind of does a lot of the work for you in terms of setting it all up. So it makes it really easy to go and find the biggest offenders quickly. And decide whether you want to get rid of them and i've I've had it you know I probably run it i don't know uh, four times a year, five times a year, and you know it routinely finds things like I had this one three gigabyte log file from an app for you know something I had turned on for yeah for for troubleshooting with the developers or whatever, and then you know you forget about it and and they don't tell you thank you so much. We've finished this now, please make sure you go through and, you know, turn off this, this log file generation. It was like, Oh yeah, that's actually a lot. So, um, so, but you know, things like that and things you just forget about. So I, yeah, I, I like clean my Mac X. I also like Daisy disc. Uh, if I didn't have clean my Mac, I, I mean, I have both of them. I, uh, Daisy disc also has a, uh, its own sort of visual representation of this and, and, and that kind of, they both sort of work for my brain. I don't know. Do you guys use anything different?
2: Nope. I use the, exactly those two, those two apps. Yep. I, I prefer a uh, clean X, um, uh, Daisy disc. I think I just have, cause again, I think I want to say that's still part of set So I believe that's why I still have that one.
1: Yep. I don't know if it is for not. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it. I
0: mean, it it's was good. for a while. I think yeah, it's only and Daisy Disk is only ten bucks. Like, and you, you know, it 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 does the same thing. It sorts by largest, and so you can really kind of see. So
2: I was trying to pull it up. You know, eh. again, it looks like it's a, a casualty potentially of um, the redoing of system preferences. Oh. But uh, the built-in, you know, find large files thing that. Apple used to have,
0: yeah. That I,
2: I can't, I, I can't find it
0: now. But yeah, it,
2: it used to do a pretty good job. It <laughs> it must not be like big enough. File. The built-in. I, <laughs> I
0: think, I think. It's, I don't know
2: where they moved it to. I'm it's to in
0: it, right. it. You're right. It's in um system settings general. uh On well, but in oh, system settings general about. I think is where it. Yeah system settings general about and then at the bottom of that screen is the um storage settings and that's where you can go in and start to see some of that stuff um two two things i will add to this use disk utility and highlight your you know your boot disk and it will show you all of the space that's used by your snapshots that time machine grabs and that can be a really easy way of reclaiming some space and then um and that's just like, like i said in apple's disk utility and then the other thing that that i find really helpful is hazel from um uh oh why can't i NoodleSoft? Uh mm-hmm. hazel i it, it hazel is essentially for those of you that remember Apple's watched folders, Hazel does it right. It lets you do things based on what happens in a specific or many specific folders. And I have Hazel pointed at my downloads folder and I have it remove. First of all, I have it remove duplicates because I don't know if you folks have this problem, but I wind up downloading like the same PDF often. And uh, and so it's nice not to have 14 copies of that but I also have it purge anything in my downloads folder that's more than 30 days old. It, 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 I know, and I used yeah, to do this, nice. I've used the downloads folder as kind of an archive at times. <laughs> right. and so if you're doing that, don't have Hazel do this for you. But otherwise, <laughs> it's a really nice thing to know that I can just let things download, go and launch them, and I don't have to go back and like prune that out. It, it just takes care of it for me.
1: Which... Actually, Dave, what, uh, the hint that I have on that is what I have Hazel do. I have a folder called Tidy within my download and on my desktop. And anything that's been sitting there for more than 30 days goes into the Tidy folder. And then I regularly go through there and go, oh, okay, okay, I want to keep that. No, I don't want to keep that. So you so have Hazel kind of...
0: put things in the Tidy folder?
1: Yes. Oh. And so it keeps my download folder relatively clean, and then I can... Go in and go. I do need to keep that. So tidy is kind of my little ar- archive within. But I have one in desktop and one on the on the downloads. Yeah. And then uh, you talked about duplicates, so that's a nice segue into. It's not a disk storage space space one so much, but Gemini will find duplicate oh, files yeah. for you. Also available and set up. And the way I remember Gemini is that's the uh, astrological sign for the twins.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm right? assuming that's yeah. why they named it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, <laughs> yeah. makes sense. Yeah yep yeah
1: so real Uh, quick on this
2: storage thing the built-in thing it looks like where it's actually you had it almost there dave where it's moved to so it's in storage but then see what they did is they iosified it so it used to be it was just like one thing and it would be like show me all my large files now they've got it in categories so i can see i have you know 111 gigabytes of apps and i have 5.6 gigabytes of books which are audio books, and Sure. developer files and then there's documents and then they have the little i icon the info icon so if you go into documents and click on the i icon from system general storage there's the view that shows you the tabs with large files downloads uh-huh. unsupported app file browser and you can go sort by size and see your largest files and stuff like that built Got in it. so it's like buried now it used to be really easy to get to it was like used to be right there large files from like get info or something like that but yeah it's can generated.
0: you i don't want to pull this up on my computer because i i know that it will be the thing that causes all of our audio <laughs> to go crackly uh, yep. while it crunches E-more. my disc yeah so i'm not going to do it <laughs> but um couldn't can you either delete files from there or at, at the very least like right click and get to them in the finder where you could then delete them
2: So when you select a file, it'll, it has a show and finder option. It also has a delete button and you can also right click and delete it from there as well.
0: Oh, so it really, it really is like a, a competitor, if you will, to what like Daisy disc does with its own interface.
2: It's not as visual and it's straightforward, but it is built in. So it's like classic Apple, right? It's built in. It's very basic, right? It, It will do the thing you want to find a large file. If you want something more visual and with more features and more functionality, I would do Daisy disc or clean my Mac X. I prefer those to this, but it's sure. worth noting. It's there. You have something built in.
0: Yeah. 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 That's yeah. great. Okay. All right. Huh. I got to dig so, into that when it's not podcasting recording live time.
1: Yeah. yeah. So new, new word there, by the way, and I want to uh, make sure this gets into the uh, next, I don't know if it's the urban dictionary or what have you, but you use the past tense of the verb to iOSify. Oh yeah. They iOSified it. He said,
0: (laughs) I think Ted Landau gets credit for coining the term iOSification. Okay. I, I, I I remember he was writing for us at Mac observer at the time. And, and I really, I I think he was the first, I think he was the the one who coined that term out in, in, in our, you know, our
1: Apple world here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we need to spread that word. It's yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so descriptive.
0: It's yeah. And it's and he was right. Like he was yes. writing about it as a warning at the time, like I don't like this iOSification of Mac OS. And now it's just like, well, it, you know, it's how it be. Yep. Rampant. Yep. Not always good. Sometimes it's good. It sometimes it is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I gotta call Ted. It's been a long time since yeah. I've talked to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Should I take us to Sean?
0: In fact, I searched for iOSification to put a link in and it, it pulled up a Mac observer link. So there you go. Yes, please take (laughs) us to Sean. Yeah. yeah. We've been, we've been too far down memory lane, Pete, the future. So Sean writes, good evening, gentlemen.
1: And when we started the show, it was morning, but it may now be, evening, (laughs) (laughs) depending on how and when you're listening, he says, I have an issue I need help with. And, And he then includes this. So if you're writing a question, please include this information. I'm running a 2017 iMac 27-inch on Monterey 12.7.1. That's always
0: helpful to have that. That is. Yeah, fair.
1: Uh, I seem to have two photo libraries. I'm not sure why. I did not intentionally create two. I did have an issue several years ago where I accidentally deleted all my pictures. Ooh, sorry to hear that. When I was deleting pictures off my iPad, I did not realize it was taking them off iCloud as well. Fortunately, I have multiple backups, so it was mostly fine. Perhaps that is how it happened. Regardless, I would like just one library. I have looked it up on Google, but seem to find different ways of doing it. I'm not wanting to delete everything again. Good plan. And I would <laughs> like some guidance, please. And thank you, Sean. Um, wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. So... I found an article at Otherworld Computing about – which has a lot of good options for merging multiple photos libraries. And they, they talk through doing it manually. You can use the import function of photos. You can export in a variety of different ways. So there are options. One of them, which would be my favorite, is Power Photos from Fat Cat Software. It it is a th- piece of third-party software. You will pay for this. And by golly, if you're gonna if if you care, and you clearly do, about the integrity of your photos library in the end, please take our advice and go this route. Also make a backup before you head down any path because anything can happen. But I have been through some (laughs) it and does correct. Yeah, I have been through a ton of these and and it will it power photos is helpful. I don't want to use the word magic because it will require you to interact with it at some level. But it really is magic. It's just not. Set it and, and forget it because you don't want that when you're doing these merges. You want to be able to review things, but it will crunch through both of your photos libraries or all three of your photos libraries at, that you want to merge. And then it will show you the duplicates and it will guide you and say, I think this is the one you should keep. And this is the one you should, you know, let go and all of that stuff. And it will pull it all together and it will maintain your albums and all of those things. It, it is absolutely an essential tool if you're doing this, uh, I, I highly I, I, like. You can hear it in my voice. Just go get it. That's the way to go. You can read the article at OWC if you want to know sort of the the ways that you're not going to choose, and then you're going to just choose this one. I I, I, I don't I don't mandate things often here, and this isn't really a mandate. But man, it's should as, go it's get. As, <laughs> it's as close as I'm going to get. Yeah, <laughs> this is one of those tools that I don't think a competitor to it exists which is uh, weird because of how yeah. valuable it is. Like, don't let the fact that this is its own thing out there in the market. Don't let that mislead you into thinking that it's not valuable. It is absolutely valuable. So no, that's yeah. high praise.
1: Uh, yeah. How much is it, Dave? You know,
0: uh, I am looking at the purchase page. It is a new license is $30. So no, it's totally. Considering
1: worth. The, how, you know, is 30 bucks worth keeping your photos uh, in integrity
0: and and you're going to just save so much time with this too. It it yeah. like it, it, I I I I saw and heard you sort of acknowledging that that your your love for this too, Adam, is did I get that right? Yeah, I was going
2: to I was going to jump in when I had an opportunity. I have recommended this over and over and over and over again throughout the years. It is absolutely the tool to do exactly what this question is asking um with all the caveats that you already mentioned, you know, back up. I'm Anybody who's listened to my show for years knows I am like crazy about backup. Um, and so somewhat related to this, another feature of this that's really great from a backup perspective and just a cleaning up your library perspective is if you're like me, and I think a lot of people out there, right, you have a huge library with all your photos and stuff in it, but maybe a large majority of them aren't like the greatest photos, but they're photos that obviously you want to keep, right? And if you want some a tool to help you, clean. And again, you're going to have to do the manual work for this, but clean your library. This tool will let you manage multiple libraries and create multiple libraries. So, uh, a great one, a great tip I've given in the past is, you know, why not just create an archive each year of the last year's photos? And you can do it by doing a, you know, a smart album just says, you know, from January 1st to December 31st of this year, create that and then put it into a separate library and then you can archive that, you know, put it in backup, put it on, like archive it multiple places. And then, you know, for that year, you could go back and safely remove those less, you know, keep keep the photos you really want from that year. But, you know, the ones that are kind of iffy oh. or maybe not so great, right? Now you've got in a separate library and then you can use a tool like this to go back and pull that library back. Or Obviously, you can just open the library and photos by holding it. I think it's the option key, right? When you can select different libraries. Yeah. So you could keep them around. You could just have them archive, But then that way you're not you don't have your main library cluttered up with a bunch of junk,
0: so right? okay, so i I want to I, I want to restate what you just said for my own benefit to make sure I understand this because what you said, or at least what I heard, I really like this. your idea is that you're not when you create this archive and then you save it off somewhere safe. And that is a hundred percent of everything that survived the year. you, you know, you right. might have deleted some things that you you know, you took a picture of your pocket or something, but right, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, otherwise, Everything goes there. And then at that moment, you don't then delete that entire year from your main library. You just then go through and prune freely, knowing yeah. that you have this backup. You part.
2: have a backup of that, uh, of the, of all that other uh, stuff. And if you want to go access that stuff, right, you can just right go back and open that library. Right. Dude. And this will let you manage it. And, you know, it For takes some, diligence. Right. You, you have to be actively. It's, it's really not workers. an automated thing. But, yeah.
0: Yeah, go ahead and say exactly. that again.
1: And then you can be more aggressive in getting rid of all. You know, if you have ten photos, you know, you know, you're going to get rid of the ones with the eyes closed, but uh, the mouth smiling is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be a lot more aggressive. Going, this is the one I really like. I'm going to get rid of the rest.
0: And you've got that safety net. And you've got that. Safety yeah, net. for That's for those
2: awesome. of us that make sure you're backing up your archives to multiple places. Just yes. I'm going to tell you that you should have a local copy somewhere on a hard drive. You should have something in the cloud somewhere. Like
0: yeah. Yeah, no, really, that's fair. If you don't have
2: three copies of that that archive library, it's not
0: backed up, in my opinion. But I, just- I totally agree. Yes, hundred percent. Yep. No, this is great because it it relieves the that I know there's probably a term for this too. You know, like like I said earlier, I'm a pack rat. I save everything, but I don't always need it at my fingertips, right? And so this caters to that, whatever that version of of you know data retention anxiety is. That it's like, okay, there it is. You've got it. You know, storage is cheap. Like you said, put it in multiple places to y- however many you need to appease yourself. And and then f- carry on freely with a photos library that as you're scrolling through to show somebody something from your vacation four years ago, you're not like, oh, this is, I got to go through this. I got to, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. And that week between Christmas and New Year's is a fantastic week. To find like a little down moment and prune through your photos. I try to do it once a month. I generally do it once a year and it's during that week. So
2: yeah. And it's it's good, especially if you use something like iCloud Photo Library, because the larger your library gets, one, you're having to buy more storage, and that's fine if you're you're willing to buy more storage. But the other thing is it just takes longer to sync everything.
0: Fair. Yeah. You know? Fair. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the like reading this article at OWC, I still recommend and think that power photos is going to do it the way you want to do it. However, one, the first recommendation in this article is to use iCloud photo library as your merge engine. And the way you would do it is, you know, you have your one photo library that is synced to iCloud, turn off or change libraries. And when you do, Tell it, merge them, and it will merge what's in iCloud with what's in your now new system photos library and and it will do it. It will take hours will be uh, a a pipe dream. It will take days or even weeks for this to complete, depending on how large your your libraries are. but th- that was a clever way and and fairly simple and relatively safe but not perfect. Still, you're going to want to make a backup of your photos library, regardless of the method you choose. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, let's, uh, we got a little time left here. Let's, let's do some cool stuff found. Shall we rod in our discord, rod L in our discord, uh, said, uh, that, Oh, where is it here? I know I had it. I had it. Oh, I know why I don't have it. Um, zoom for Apple TV is now a thing. It's an app, right? And so Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys have done this, but on Thanksgiving, I have a daughter who now lives in Northern Italy. So, you know, it's not like she lives in Chicago or something and it's easy to go visit her or or vice versa. So we did not see her for Thanksgiving, nor will we see her for Christmas this year. And on Thanksgiving, we did a, a, you know, a FaceTime call and we used the new, uh, continuity camera features of Apple TV, where I just laid my phone on its side in front of our television, and that became our camera. And we had, you know, uh, sky on the on the on the big screen, and we could just sit in the living room and chill and chat. And we chatted for probably an hour, hour and a half. It was great being able to do that with Zoom, even better because I I like I actually like Zoom better than FaceTime, even for like family calls. It I don't know, it just so zoom will use that continuity camera in the same way with your apple tv now so thank you for that rod i had no idea he said they stealth announced it which i think is a really good way of (laughs) saying it but yeah so i like it is our plan to use that on christmas day you know and we can the the nice part about it is you know then it's just it's all right there and everybody can see and hear and yeah it's incredible i agree
2: yeah i'll uh throw in a bonus thing. I know yep. it's not the zoom thing, but now that you mentioned continuity camera with uh, Apple TV, you know, my daughter's away at college and we've been using SharePlay with Apple TV and continuity camera to watch movies together, which is amazing.
0: Okay. I I've never done this. I know that my, my daughter and her boyfriend did it when, when she was here, right, the daughter and fiance, uh, when she was here and, and he was there before she moved out there with him. But, um, uh, and they did it with Plex because it was before SharePlay, so that experience is is fluid and just works, huh?
2: Yeah, it worked great. Yeah, really? absolutely. Yeah, you just got the little window goes down and you're watching the movie together. And when you pause, it pauses both sides, and yeah, it's just it just works,
0: huh? And do you have it, like what is the is, is there a collaborative experience? Like, can you chat with each other? I mean, obviously, you oh can yeah, chat you just have us. a Facetime
2: call going. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, so you see each other's faces while the movie is playing.
2: Yeah. Just in a little. In a, yeah. E- a little EMP. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Little picture, picture. You can
2: move it around and you know, all that stuff. Yeah, so. of course.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. We definitely need to do this. Okay. How have we, how is this not, I mean, she's lived there for over a year. How has this not happened for us as a family? I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, she's living her own life. Like it's great. Like we got to let her, yeah. we got to <laughs> let her out. You know, it's fine. It's good. Yeah. 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 Wait, you got to let him go. I, Pete oh. it's <sighs> Yeah. You do. Right. It no, sucks. I thought They were mine. <laughs> I, as I say, every time, you know, somebody's like, well, this is amazing. Your daughter's living in Italy and it, and it is amazing. And I am ever like, I am so proud and so thankful that she has like created this path for herself. And like, yeah. she, she did it like, it, like, and if anything, you know, I pat ourselves on the back for like, we f- successful launch. Like, this is amazing. Um, I
1: just wish you had to let him go before you paid for college. I'm just saying, you know, that's fair. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But it, regardless it, it, all of it is great except for the part that really sucks. Um, with her not being here, but you know, that's how it goes. Um, it's a good thing. It, it, I always say that, you know, the tearful goodbyes and the, the, you know, the painful distance and all that stuff is a sign that we, as a family did it right. And, and I'll take it. Yeah. Cause it would, it would be in my in my opinion, it'd be worse if we were happy to, to like never see them again or whatever. Like, so, yep. I don't know. Yeah. We we all have our own path and that's okay. But, um, but for us, this is a a good reminder that we did it right. So yeah. Anyway. All right. If we keep doing this, I'm going to start crying. So Pete, can you take (laughs) us to the next one?
1: (laughs) Um, I, I can, but, uh, now let see now, uh, we're, uh, we were, we were on to cool stuff found. Right? We
0: were, and you were going to tell yeah. us about Robert. I can, Adam, you want to tell us about, uh, about, uh, the ChronoSync? About ChronoSync? Yeah, go yeah. Ahead.
1: Absolutely.
2: You I'll Love come back to. I'll so, have
1: Robert ready, queued up. Sorry right. about that. No problem.
2: Eric says that there's a new update for ChronoSync. ChronoSync now goes to 11, uh, and it has support for Sonoma, but also adds support apparently for cloud services for your backup. So you can do... So people who don't know what chronosync is, it's a syncing and uh backup program. I'll kind of mention how I use it because it Please. relates to what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. But, um, apparently now it can sync files and backups to iCloud, Google drive, OneDrive, Dropbox box and other cloud services. So that is a new feature that I'm going to have to check out. I didn't know that this update had come <laughs> to come out and I'm actually a chronosync user. There you go. Um, But uh, yeah, so I've used ChronoSync in my backup strategy to be the tool that is like, I call it my selective archive backup. And so at its root level, what ChronoSync can do is all kinds of things related to backup. But the primary thing is syncing folders or volumes or directories from one location to another. And it could be local on your Mac. It could be to a network drive. It could be however you want to set it up. It is an amazing tool, and you can set up schedules and all kinds of rules. It's very, very advanced. So like I've always used it to do the safe delete thing for files on my, my desktop, and I'll give you one example because I think it's the, the easiest to kind of grok. So doing my podcast, I have a MacCast folder, and all of my prep and audio files and everything go into an individual folder for each episode. So sure. yeah, my show notes, all that stuff. I want to make sure that I archive that stuff. So I have ChronoSync set up to automatically on a schedule sync that folder to multiple locations. I have it sync syncing to a local Drobo. I have it syncing to a network drive. And then those drives in turn are backed up to the to the cloud. So I have multiple backups. Oh. So ChronoSync is just always running in the background, doing its thing. And so I know when I go back in, I've finished a show. It's been a week later or two weeks later. I can safely delete that entire Show directory off my local drive because I know Chronosync has already moved it off to my other storage locations, my iCard locations, and it's backed up to the cloud. So I have no anxiety about deleting that stuff. And I have multiple things set up like that through Chronosync. That's just one example. I have it also for like movie files and my photo library and a bunch of things. And again, you can do whole volumes, you could do individual folders, you could do individual, you can set this up however you want. And it sounds like now. I can go straight to the cloud, which is great. The only problem is I'm going to have to upgrade to like the 12 terabyte iCloud. Yeah, right. If yeah, I, exactly. If I to. Exactly. Right. 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 <laughs> but that's fine. I can.
0: Uh, I mean, you could sync it to your own private cloud, like um, you know, a, a, mm-hmm. a, Diss, a Synology disk station or something like that, too. Uh, yep. Yeah. I, I have a uh, to tie it all together. You 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 managed you mentioned your workflow and and the last step it was and then, you know, you can safely delete it because it is synced to all these other places. You could use Hazel to safely delete those things that are, say, a month old. That is that's what I do yep. here. In fact, I have Hazel set to move audio files and video files in the Mac Geekab folder to my Synology disk station after a month, and then they're just gone from my drive, and it's it all. It's it's like it's life changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, this it, the um, the, we had a little conversation in our Discord about this, and uh, Nibsuk said, uh, you know, because I, I asked people, what do you use Chronosync for? Because I was trying to wrap my. I knew I know what it is, but I, it, it like, you need to explain what you're using it for so that it resonates yeah. with people. And I'm glad exactly. you did that. Yeah. yeah. And he said, we use it for copying large amounts of data because unlike Finder, it can skip any bad files and carry on and then gives a report at the end of any files it skipped. Whereas iCloud Drive kind of gets hung up on these things and you don't really know what's going on. In a sense, ChronoSync is like iCloud Drive Pro, uh, it, you know, where it it adds a whole lot to it and lets you kind of do these things. So,
2: Yeah. Thank you. Uh, an, uh, another another great feature of this, <laughs> got to mention, yeah. is it has a checkbox that says "Do not sync deleted items from your source." Oh. So if you've set up a a source folder that is syncing, right, yep, and you delete, and that sync is still running, it will ignore those deleted files, keeping them on your destinations. Which I that's another feature I love because again, it means I can safely delete something. I think I use this for. Backing up, um, this is how I back up the movies I've downloaded from, uh, you know, that I've purchased on the the iTunes store or whatever we call it now. The movie store, the, the TV movie app store, sure. where, yeah, from, yeah, yeah. from Apple. I bought movies from Apple. I want to make sure that I archive those because they can go away at any time. And I want to always make sure I have a copy. But I don't maybe always want it stored. Right there. You know, where I have it stored or or downloaded. Yeah. So I can safely delete knowing that sync says even though I've deleted it here and it's still syncing the same folder, it will not delete it in my archive. It'll right. keep it in the archive.
0: Oh, so, yes. So very much, you know, iCloud Drive Pro, where you actually do get to, like, make these granular decisions about what's going to happen with your data. So yep. I looked, and in addition to the cloud services you mentioned, uh, ChronoSync will also sync to Amazon S3-compatible backup destinations, and which we talked about last week. I talked about ARC backup syncing to S3 compatible destinations and how there were many of those, uh, and including iDrive, which is super inexpensive right now. So like go if if you need if if you were gonna pay for larger iCloud storage for this, Adam, you might be better off just paying for iDrive. We mentioned Arc backup. Wilbur mentioned in our Discord a a free open source alternative to arcs backup that also backs up to s3 stores and it's called copia at k-o-p-i-a dot i-o and it will of course because it's s3 uh, destination compatible it will work with i Drive e2 so uh we will i'll put that link in the show notes as well so nice yeah pete you want to take us to robert
1: I, I'm going to. And okay. and like Jeopardy, I'm going to give my answer to Robert first.
0: Oh, all right. I like it. Well,
1: if this ain't cool stuff found, nothing is. Thank okay. you, Robert. So that was my reply to him. So he writes in. He he was talking about the fact that a couple of weeks back we were talking about Adobe screens and screens connect and other ways to do essentially remote desktop computing. Yep. He says, and he mentions one other one, and I've put up the link in the show notes that I've been using for years. There's a free Mac OS menu bar applet that'll make it easier to use built in Mac OS VNC, and it's called Screen Sharing Menulet. Okay. And so I put that in there. But that's not what he
0: was really cool it, That's not, it's not no, free. No. It's 199 for Screen Sharing oh, Menulet. 99. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I, 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 I'm not complaining about it. I'm just articulating <laughs> yeah. it so people no, know yeah. when they go there. Yep. Yeah. Work
1: works great. Lasts yeah. a long time. Great. But he goes, uh, he, he everyone has their favorite app for your paid. He goes, here's my suggestion on why Jump Desktop deserves to be your first choice. It runs on Mac OS and iOS and doesn't have any monthly subscription. It's part of the set Mac subscription bundle. It has its own free app, similar to Screens Connect, called Jump Desktop Connect that you install on the remote computer so you don't have to use a VPN or VPN-like software to find networks like TailScale, ZeroTier, et cetera. It has built-in support for three different protocols, VNC, Jump Desktop Proprietary, and Windows RDC, which is their remote remote desktop. So it can connect to many remote systems, Apple, Linux, Microsoft, Windows, uh, without installing the software on the remote end if you're okay using VNC or remote desktop. Right, right. It gives, keeps getting better though. Uh their proprietary their proprietary protocol called Fluid is supposed to be optimized for faster speed and work better on lower bandwidth internet connections. And he buried the lead. Jump Desktop supports audio from the remote host. PNC screens and most others do not. Jump Desktop was widely used during COVID for ongoing for production and ongoing for production of video editors. <laughs> For production video editors to edit TV and film commercials, the home system can be a relatively old computer that remotes back to the studio editing bay, massive powerhouse. He says, I've been using it for many years because I needed access to both Mac and Windows systems. And last year, started dabbling with YouTube video and used Jump Desktop to easily do remote video editing himself. Jump desktop handles all the audio drivers, so you don't have to install any sp- special virtual device like Loopback or other tricks to get streaming audio between right. the systems. Huh? So, boom. Yeah. Interesting.
0: That's cool. It's,
1: uh, it's, it's very Mac esque and it just works.
0: Wow. All I right. installed
1: it and played with it. it boom. I mean, it was.
0: And it's part of set It setup. was so
1: easy. I could do it.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Folks. If that's not a testimonial, I don't Radio. know what it is. Yep. Oh, that's great. That's great. Wow. Cool. Cool. I have one last cool stuff found before we get out of here. And, uh, it is, you know, I love my robot vacuums. They, if, if, yeah. if robot overlords are going to take over, we've started in the right place because at the very least they'll keep our homes clean. And uh, I I mentioned I have my robot vacuum run every night while we're asleep, Uh, not on the floor in which we sleep uh, because they are loud, but it's so nice to wake up in the morning and have a freshly vacuumed home every day. And the, the newest one that I'm testing out is from Roborock, which has quickly become my favorite robot vacuum company. They really have the tech down in terms of mapping out the house. And it like, it's just so efficient and accurate and it, They get stuck less than other brands I've tried. The one I'm trying now is the Roborock Q8, Q8 Max, which is both a vacuum and a mop. And you can do both on the same run uh, where it'll it'll vacuum things and then mop up the, the right floor. And like I said, because their mapping is so, so fluid, you can really just say, okay, this is the only places I want you to mop or these are areas I don't want you to mop. The mapping, you know, we were talking about creating 3D maps of your house for use with right. with NetSpot and all that. I wish Roborock would let me extract the map that it has created because it's got this whole 3D map of my my, you know, main floor of my house right in there. It's it's really, really well done. Um, and I th- this thing's great. And it's um, it's right now it's on sale for four forty nine. Super powerful vacuum. And it's got the mopping capability. So, um, you know, if, if you need Man, That's a good price for one of those. It is. You know, it, yeah, yeah, they yeah. used to be 900 bucks. Like a year ago, yeah. I feel like this would have been $900. Uh, yeah, yeah, a- yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. No, this is. One thing I can't get it to figure out how to do. Yes. And I'm talking about my son, by the way, not the robot vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> is leave the shoes around with the shoelace hanging out. That's oh. the one thing that.
0: H- our, yeah, our it will grab, seems to get snagged. it will grab shoelaces. I don't know. Our, ours has, has not been terrible with that. Um, uh, it, yeah. it will grab occasionally grab the strap of a backpack. You know, if like there's a backpack on the floor, one thing I will say about Roborock in particular, setting this one up, I ran into this and I, 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 many others have too. I could not get this thing to join my Wi-Fi. It's one of those things where it has, you know, it creates its own hotspot. You connect to it, you give it the d- data that it needs to have, and then it comes back. I went, I, thankfully, I only went about a half hour with it before I looked on Reddit and found the post from the people that had gone, you know, five hours with it. The trick is to turn off cellular data during that process, and then everything oh. worked fine. I know. It seems. Counterintuitive.
1: Yeah, because now that you mention it, my Roborock, and I I think I have a it's a, a Q five, I forget the exact bottle. Yep. Yep. Um it it would not work with it, you had two possible apps, and I was trying to use an app that it was oh. not gonna work.
0: With, yeah, that you can't get that old it. app anymore. So that problem is solved. But yeah, just oh, if you're having an issue and so I would take this advice and and zoom it out and say if any of these, you know, IoT devices that you're trying to connect to your Wi Fi, if you're going through a couple of times, and you feel like you're just banging your head against the wall. Try turning off cellular data; that yes. might be the magic answer. So,
1: yeah, yep. And then go
0: to Reddit. And then, if not, <laughs> if all else fails, yes, let Google do the do the searching for you. So, yep. You got anything else, Adam, on this? Are you a robot vacuum user?
2: Uh, I am. We have an iRobot. Yeah. Uh, we only have one. It, yeah. It works fine.
0: Yeah. 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 It's great all right
1: Dave yes Pete now is the time on Met Geek Gab when we dance well we need music we
0: need music in order to dance that is true (laughs) (laughs) oh boy what have I done Uh, thanks for hanging out with us everybody thank you for sending in all your questions and your tips and your cool stuff found it's what like we love being able to do this and you make it possible folks so thank you for that Thanks to Cashfly for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. Thanks to our sponsors. Of course, you can always learn about our sponsors at MacGeekAb.com slash sponsors. Why? Because Adam set that magic little page up for us a while back. But (laughs) uh, you you can absolutely go to Incogni.com slash MacGeekAb, BareBones.com as well. Have a great week, folks. And... uh, Pete, what do they say uh, in Japan there? What's, what's maybe three words of advice that they might say in Japan, but translate it to English because I don't speak Japanese.
1: Well, I think it's the same. You know, there are some words across all languages that are the same. And it, if this isn't universal, I don't know what is. Don't get caught.
2: May not.